we've been talking about soldiers for Christ. And um, I trust that while this is, you know, lengthy, covers many subjects and arenas that some point somewhere along the line there will be a you know uh, a trigger a light switch in your life that to recognize and, and then and, and also be you know uh, hands on I guess we've talked about the front line call Everybody has a front line. It's where God has positioned you to have an impact. You can have more than one front line. Don't get me wrong. In any given time of day, any given event, but you have a front line. And that front line is where you represent Jesus on a daily basis. It could be your home. It could be your work. It could be in your leisure. And definitely in your neighborhood. So. In the midst of. All the opportunities and options, busyness, etc., of life that we don't miss a divine setup, a divine opportunity to, to be. To be. So this morning we're going to talk about. Frontline care. Frontline care. Dominic, if you want to pull up our scripture there, I'd appreciate it. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary, scattered, like sheep having. No shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. He says the work is definitely outnumbering the workers. He says that we need to have a prayer life that includes more workers because something's amiss. People are not really as you see them when you look at them. There is a camouflage around them. And unless we look with compassion, we will not detect the true condition 
of the crowd, of the individual. Hands on care. We are to be earthly channels with a heavenly remedy. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's heaven touching earth through us. Heaven touching earth through us. To have compassion means to get down where they are in the midst of the need and the pain. It is to have painful sympathy with a commitment to get involved. It is to touch those that appear or were reluctant to touch. Jesus sets the example in many of the occasions and his ministry is motivated by compassion. And he tells the stories of the lepers and how there were a people, of course, that nobody would touch for fear of contamination. And yet Jesus touched the leper. He touched the leper. Yes. Compassion moved the good Samaritan to go ahead and give himself and his resources and make promises follow up there's so much that competes for life someone made a quote like this and I like it it says if you would win the world melt it do not hammer it because kindness and compassion has more of an influence than harsh treatment. <laughs> Called to be caregivers and recovering compassion. Choices they made 
I'm glad that Jesus didn't say, well, it's a choice you made. When I grew up, there was a phrase that was often said, you know, you made your bed live in it or lie in it. That's not a good angle for a Christian to take approach in relationship to the world around them. Jesus came and made a brand new bed. Yeah. He had compassion that led him to action. And he healed and he fed. He reached out. His heart broke for their situation for their need. He had compassion. See, godly compassion sees the, need, sees the needs of people before it sees the difference in people. Sees the need. Compassion is really love applied. The compassion of Jesus brought him from heaven to earth. To a sinful situation. So hands-on, caring. That's what love does. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loves us before we first loved him. We need to love before they love us. Jesus saw people as needing help. Now he didn't go around saying, oh, you need help. No. They went around just helping. Just help. He was ridiculed and criticized for sitting with sinners. You just don't do that. He was reaching for them. He was reaching for them. In caring, in frontline care, it is recognizing the real need. The real need. Remember the story of the lame man found in Acts chapter 3 as he has for over 40 years sat at the Gate called Beautiful, which is right at the temple. Gateway to life. He sits there without hope of any kind of health. He's totally preoccupied with, you know, just the need of living. 
And yet Peter, when he comes on the scene, Peter and John come on the scene, even though he's asking for something which is a very apparent natural need, but his natural need, you know, could be remedied by a physical wholeness. Yes. And so he says, silver and gold is not what I have to give to you, but what I give to you is going to really make a difference in all of your life. He rose up and, of course, you know the story, how he was healed. You see... Peter and John distinguished between the crippled beggar's felt need, which was money, and his real need, which in this case was healing. A felt need is wants and wishes and hopes, and there's nothing wrong with that. Those are needs or results deemed necessary for their Lives. But then there is what is known as the real need. The real need is that which change that needs to be made so that the felt need is, is granted or made possible the fulfillment of desire the fulfillment of what would lead to their wants and their wishes and and hopes I don't know is not the air conditioning working Mark where are you at can you somebody crank that thing down up here on this platform anyway because it's about 80 up here Frontline care. I believe it was James that said that if you see a need and you have the means by which to do it and you don't do anything about it, that's not care. That's not love. It has to be a hands-on Hands on. Has to be the touching of the, the leper. An eye that sees more than the sinner. But an eye that sees the need, the real need the woman at the well had a need the need was acceptance she came after everybody else had come and had their daily task and water she couldn't come at that 
hour because she felt rejected. She had a need of acceptance. Zacchaeus had a need of friendship. Yeah, a friendship. He's the tax collector. He's nobody's friend. Man, they can see a void, you know? It's about life. Nicodemus had a real need, and it was a need for spiritual answers. See, you never know how accessible a person is until you try. Until you try. Find the right door. The approach to that individual's life. It takes a little bit of time. It takes a little bit of insight. It takes a little bit of love. It takes patience. It takes kindness. It takes humility. The word humility means that you're not a windbag. Maybe you never heard that before, but you're not a windbag. You're not talking all the time about yourself. You're trying to find out and discover about them. It takes courtesy, it takes restraint, it takes joy, it takes consistency. It takes eyes that are not blinded by self-righteousness. It takes eyes that have been purged of their own personal logs. You remember the story about the prostitute that went to Simon's house? And as they're feasting at Simon's house and Jesus is there, this woman comes and begins to wash his feet with tears. And gratitude. She shows up and Simon's appalled that Jesus would even let somebody. He can't be a prophet. Otherwise, he'd know she was a sinner. Yeah. The log in his own eye had reduced him to a one-eyed judge. And that was poor. I like what Paul said as he writes to the Ephesians. He says, you need to remember that you were once 
just like them. I loved when Joan told us a story on Wednesday night. Her life before Christ and her life after Christ. You had a life before Christ. And it's just like theirs. And if it wasn't for Christ, you'd be living a life just like theirs. Simon saw her as a sinner. Jesus saw her as grateful. Someone that was thankful for what had happened in our life. Have we lost our tears? Have we lost our gratefulness? Oh, not me. Mm. Oh. Jesus reveals a principle in the story of the two debtors. He says, to the degree you appreciate your forgiveness through Jesus... You love him and are willing to love other sinners who also need Jesus. Yeah. Seeing others through God's eyes. Seeing them as, you know, lacking the guidance and the leadership and the care. seen others through God's eyes as, as he spoke to Samuel and he said Samuel you're looking at the outward man you're looking at the outward is it possible that there's something good in the heart that's being covered up I don't know, but that's what the Holy Spirit is about. That's what he's for. Jesus always chose a redemptive vision, compassion, and hope. Ordinary people in the ordinary aspects of life, but he saw their distress, their hurts their struggles, their insecurities, their pain. Jesus has the power, but he needs your hands. That's right. He needs your hands. 
God calls us to do what only he can do. And what he has chosen not to do without us. Yeah. It was God's power, but it was Peter's hands. Those are not, that's not a cute little format of phrase. How shall they hear? Nobody say anything. You can't hear anything if nobody's saying anything. How shall they hear unless somebody tells them? Yes, God wants your hands. God wants your mouth. God wants your heart. God wants your life. For the purpose of being a foot soldier for Jesus Christ. I've saved you. Now go tell your story. But you'll have to find an inroad. Think about it. It isn't going to happen without you. It isn't going to happen without you. I'm going to say it again. (laughs) It isn't going to happen without you. But it can happen because of you. It's about looking. It's about seeing. He told the Apostle Paul, he said, I'm sending you to open the eyes and turn them from darkness to light. From the power of saints into God so they can receive forgiveness of sins. They're in trouble, man. The wages of sin is death. They're in trouble. A little high. (laughs) Do we get it? I'm not trying to get us to run off in some kind of emergency. I'm just trying to get us to see that, you know what I mean? Sin is why he came. You don't have a mission without sinners. (laughs) Problem people. That's what you were. You were a problem child. 
but because of Jesus. Because of Jesus Christ. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says the God of this world has blinded them. The minds of unbelievers. So they cannot see the light of the glory, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. You and I are to be an optometrist. Helping with the eyesight of people. Yeah. I want you to open their eyes. Take away their blindness. Yeah. So as you look, but then also as you see, you got to begin to connect the dots and the people in your life. My daughter is a teacher, and we have teachers in here, and you know, but it's interesting that everybody in her class, the Holy Spirit isn't taking her to them. But there are certain people in the class that the Holy Spirit goes ahead and points out. You know. And, you know, in the carefulness even of the midst of, you know, what you can't do and what you can do, it's just that kindness that begins to open the door and it's really, a lot of times, the most troubled. The most troubled. Your front line. Some people have a front line that has to, it happens to be their husband. It happens to be their wife. It might happen to be a neighbor the front line is but to be hands on care you have to take notice of what's happening around you you know Paul even addresses you know what I mean our uh, uh, employers I don't know, maybe, maybe you don't have an employer, maybe you're self-employed or whatever, but he said, he said, you know, there's some really tough employers out there. They're harsh. They're inconsiderate. I know. They're the whip-type people. I like Tom, you know what I mean? You know, he's so... You know, <laughs> you know? yeah. You know, they don't appreciate you. They don't appreciate what you've done. Could care less. Give you more and give you more. He said, Don't let a bug you. Don't let a bug you. Pray for them. 
It really goes a long ways. I mean, pray for your enemies. Those that hatefully and despitefully use you. They're not treating you right. Spend an hour in prayer. <laughs> what do you think about that? Jesus said, that's the answer. He, didn't, he said, it's not the complaint department. You know, it's not the resource people. You don't got to go to them. Remember I told you this phrase, and this is true. This is the biblical thing. There's more power in the closet of prayer than there is in the marketplace of prayer. You can't get to them, but God can. Hallelujah. Ask my musicians to come this morning. Yeah, we, we, we really have a major role, you know, in this wonderful thing. Our frontline call, it's where it's at. But how we approach it, how we identify it and address it, we have to do it with care. It'll be a tough sell. Tell somebody they're going to hell and they don't even believe in hell. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I believe in. We're called to, to make a difference. Yes, to give life to the dead and sight to the blind. In Mark chapter 2 is a what I might call the characteristics of soul winning. You remember the story about the paralytic that's brought by his friends and the obstacles and the hindrances that, that happened. And there are, there are four characteristics of soul winning that we can glean from that. First of all, loving concern. The power of cooperation. Being creative in your approach. There's no door. There's no way in. You got to be creative. And a commitment to the mission. And I close this morning as you stand with me today. Who might be the people in your world that God is trying to reach? Who might be the people? Maybe you've evangelized virtually, you know, so many. You've shared with so many. You've tried to find roads into their lives of so many. 
Luke chapter 14 is this, the story about how that evangelism and invitations had taken place. It talks about those that wouldn't accept it. And no doubt there probably were those that did, but in the first segment of this outreach, he looks at the house and he says, there's just too many seats empty. So he says, I want you to start going in some different places. I want you to start going where you haven't went. I want you to go into the highways and the byways. I want you to go into new places. I want you to start touching new people, different people. The other ones have said no. Go and find some ones that'll are going to say yes. You get the message. You get that, you know? Go to the desperate. Go to the difficult. Go to the different. Lord James, <laughs> I think he's saying sometimes we got to go out of our comfort zone. We got to go out of our comfort zone. Because he says, I want my house to be full. I don't want any empty seats. Somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. Yes. Open invitation. The desperate, the difficult, the difficult. Amen. He says that you got to go with some forceful persuasion. You got to compel them. Got to stick at it. You know, not a one time. No. Faithful. I got to do it again. I'll do it again. And some very good reasons. Because they're lost. They're lost. They're lost. Amen. As we leave this morning, I don't want you to go heavy hearted. I want you to go and just ask the Holy Spirit. The songs have been about eyes to see. You know, perception gained. What is it, Lord? Who is it? What's my assignment? And how can I fulfill it? 
how, you know what I mean, can I love that sinner? How can I love him? How can I model the Father, the Heavenly Father, to those that are fatherless? Amen? As we sing this song and close this morning, foot soldiers, how shall they hear if somebody doesn't tell them? Find a way to get an audience. And I close with this, because I am part of the human race and know what sometimes how we respond. You need to take note of the interruptions in your life that happen because they could be potential appointments by God. Amen. Absolutely. Potential appointments. Start treating the interruptions as maybe God's opportunity. Amen. God bless you. Happy Father's Day. Blessings. Let's take Jesus to the highways and the byways. Hallelujah. God love you.